Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Waypoint Pastors Wives podcast. I am so glad that you're here with us today. We have just wrapped up our series on mental health and the pastor's wife, and we're coming into this crazy busy season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and what that means in the church world. And I am thrilled. I'm so excited for this season. However, as I'm sure many of you are, I'm a little anxious about all the things that have to be done. So I wanted to just do something a little different for this episode and spend some time encouraging you and loving on you and letting you hear from each other the words of encouragement that you need to hear. So stick around and we'll jump right in. Hey, hey, hey. As we're headed into the busiest season of the year, I thought taking a little time for just some good old-fashioned encouragement might be exactly what you need to get through this holiday season. We know Christmas can be a challenge. We know that it's busy on a family level. And then when you add church into it, things just go a little crazy. I know personally that this time of the year for us is a lot between holiday concerts, traveling to see family because neither of our our parents live nearby, and then just doing all of the church things, decorating the church and Christmas parties and appreciating your staff and your volunteers and Christmas Eve services and special Christmas services. It is a lot and it can be exhausting and it can be very easy to lose focus of the good and just feel so much pressure to perform. And so I wanted to just take a few minutes to encourage you all. So when I first launched this podcast idea, I sent out a survey to a number of pastor's wives and just asked some simple questions like, how are you feeling about ministry right now? How long have you been in ministry And my favorite question, what would you say to other pastor's wives that you wished somebody had said to you? And so I wanted to just kind of read through some of these responses because I think they are very encouraging and some of them are a little funny. And I think it'll be a great just sense of encouragement and putting on that shield that we need as we head into this holiday season, hopefully with the right heart and the right attitude. I want to just say to preface all of this, the survey also asked how long you've been a pastor's wife. And so the responses that you're hearing today, 50% of them came from women who've been in ministry for 11 to 20 years, which is a lot of time. But 28.6% of these responses are from women who've been in ministry for 20 plus years. So if you are younger than that, if you are new to ministry, or even if you've been in ministry for a long time, I believe that these things will be encouraging to you. So our first response to this was be exactly who God wants you to be. And I think that's so important. Because we often get this idea in our heads of who we think the church wants us to be or who we think we should be, what a pastor's wife should look like. And then we try to be that without consulting God and saying, who do you want me to be? Who have you created me to be? Number two, you are more capable than you think you are, but it's okay to say no sometimes. Friends, in this season especially, 
it's okay to say no. You don't have to go to every party. You don't have to attend every event. Do the things that are important for your family and important for your church as a whole. And say no to the things that you don't need to say yes to. You don't have to do everything. Thank heavens. Number three, be your true self. God called you and your husband because he wanted you. Be willing to grow and try new opportunities. I love that one because so often you hear about pastors being called into ministry. Well, sister, if your husband was called into ministry, he has called you too. He didn't call your husband just to do this on his own. He called you as a team to do this. And it may look different for you than it looks for me, but I do believe that God called you to do this and he will equip you with what you need to do it well. The next one. Yes, you can have friends in your church. In case you didn't know that, it is a thing. You can have friends in your church. I um, am so blessed to have many friends in our church. Um, it's been an honor to be part of these women's lives for the last 11 years. And they have become my sisters. They really have. And I have one in particular best friend at church who is my right, like she's my right hand. We've been together serving alongside each other for 11 years in ministry and I could not do life without her. And so, um, yes, you can have friends in church. Yes. You need to have discretion about who those friends are and make sure that they're there for the right reasons, but you can have friends in church. Next one, you have to be you. Don't try to own a position because someone says you should. I think that's pretty well said. All of us were not called to teach children's church or play the piano or do those things. Just because you're the pastor's wife doesn't mean you have to fill all those roles. There is no one cookie cutter variety of us. We are all unique. We all have our own different giftings and callings, and that is okay. If you're struggling to believe that that's okay, let's talk. I know that it's hard to be content being who you are and not every, who everybody thinks that you should be, and that's okay. I am not a kid person. I, I have four kids, sure, but I am not one to volunteer to help with children's church. Number one, because I'm leading worship at the time. But number two, kids and teaching them is not my area of giftedness. In fact, in middle school, we took those aptitude tests that tell you ideas of careers that might be good for you. And very clearly in middle school, I was told I should not work with pets or small children. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, how did I end up marrying a youth pastor? I don't know. Um, but I do know that God gave me what I needed in those years of youth ministry. And I'm also very grateful that we are in senior ministry now and not in youth ministry. But that's okay. It's okay that, that I'm not cut out for kids stuff. Can I volunteer when there's a need? Absolutely. But does my passion and my giftedness and my ability to do things very, very well 
have to come in that form just because it's what's needed at my church right now? No. A, a lot of these you'll notice are pretty similar. So this next one says, you do not need to try to fit yourself into a box or mold yourself and your family into what others think is becoming of a pastor's family. Live into who God has made you to be. Be authentic and try to love yourself and your family well. Ministry is both beautiful and ugly. It's super tough, but it's worth it. It's more than okay to set boundaries and set in place time for rest, relaxation, fun, and family-only time. I love that. Um, Yourself, being who God made you to be and not pretending. Um, In a lot of ways, some of the things we do, fake it till you make it, really is a, a, a thing. It's it's helpful when you need to do something that you're not comfortable doing and you're not confident doing. Fake it till you make it. And I, uh, one example of this from my own personal life is, I am not a people person, and I know for a lot of people. When they hear that, they think, yes, you are. You're the pastor's wife. You talk to everyone on Sunday mornings. You lead worship. Yes, but that is all God. And it is, it's probably the thing that keeps me the most grounded as a person because I am not a people person. Striking up conversation with strangers is very difficult, very uncomfortable for me. Um, It causes a lot of anxiety, but it's what I'm called to do. I'm called to love others and to be friendly and to make them comfortable and welcome in our church. And so I have decided that that is something that God has called me to, regardless of the fact that it is not in my comfort zone. And so for years, that was my, that was my motto, fake it till you make it. And I I remember my mom teaching me when I was a kid that it's okay that you don't want to talk to people, but you need to, it's rude to be you know, off in a corner by yourself and not conversing with people when you're in a social environment. So fake it till you make it. She said, pretend to be somebody who you know, who is really good at those things. And that's just what I've done for years. And it has become easier and easier with time. But I will say the number one thing that has helped me is that I am continually praying for myself that God would help me to love others. Because it's super easy to strike up conversation with the people I'm closest to that I love, that I'm friends with, but we're called to love everyone. And so I pray that God helps me to love people so that when they walk into our church doors, I don't see them as strangers. I see them as people that God has brought into our family that we are to love on. And so having that change of heart, that change of mindset has so very much helped my own ability to communicate with people and to love on people and to be friendly, even though it is not a natural thing for me. And I think there's a difference between doing those kind of things that are outside of our comfort zone and learning and stretching ourselves versus being fake and being someone that we're not. Those things are necessary. We need to be able to talk to people and love on people and encourage people. But you don't have to pretend that you are a super bubbly optimistic person if you're not. I think it's important that we are real, but also continue to stretch ourselves. I think there really is a balance between those things. So I would encourage you to analyze the things that you think you're not good at 
or the things you're not called to and see if it's a a choice that you're choosing to not stretch yourself into that or if it's really just something you're not called to. I 100% am not called to children's ministry and I am fine with that. Anyhow, the next one, again, along those lines, be real. There is no minister's wife mold. We must put our family first and raising our children first. Our primary job is to raise them in the Lord. The other things come second. And this is hard. This is a hard balance. And it's something that changes from season to season, depending on how old your kids are and how many kids you have. And I will tell you, it has not always been an easy thing for us. Having four kids and being as heavily involved in ministry as I am as the pastor's wife, it is, it has been a learning experience, learning how to balance the time that I have at home, learning how to prioritize my, my schedule, learning how to find easier, quicker ways to do things like meals and learning that it, it sometimes you have to let something slide. And if family time comes before cleaning your kitchen, that's okay. And so that it's, it's a learning process for all of us. And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who has felt that way. Ooh, seek identity with you and God, not other people or titles, even the ones we like, like mom, friend, pastor, wife, seek identity with you and God, not other people. Who are you according to God? And I think that's important because we can make ourselves feel pretty good about who we are to other people and on the outside without really feeling good and having a solid, good identity and good relationship with God. That's so important. Whoever said that, props to you. Next, though, this role for you is between you and God, not between you and church people. This is huge because we have to remember that we are ultimately seeking to serve and to please God, not our people. And if for no other reason, but let's say you're in a church with 100 people. Two of them are you and your husband. So the other 98 people, they each have a different idea of what they think your role as pastor's wife should be. No one has this exact same role. They all have different expectations depending on their background and their experience. And you are never going to please all 98 of them or even 99. You may not even please your husband, but we are called to serve God and please him. That has to be our number one goal. And that that can even be a response sometimes when people say, hey, I'm really not happy with the way you're doing this. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But right now I am doing what I believe God is telling me is best to do. And I'm sorry if that's not up to your standards. Find a kind way to say it. But people need to understand that we're not living up to their standards. We're living up to God's. The next one. This is a longer encouragement. And I can tell you, it must be from someone who's been in ministry for a lot of years. She says, the rewards far outweigh the trials, heartaches, and pressures that come with ministry. Keep encouraging and supporting your spouse to use his gift that God has so generously blessed him with to share the gospel with others. 
Seeing a person get saved and begin the relationship with Christ never gets old and is something that will matter for all eternity. Also, make sure you, as the preacher's wife, have a great support group, maybe even with some close ministry friends, because nobody understands the ministry better than the people who are in it. Isn't that the truth? And I will say, if that's something that you're lacking, if you're lacking that support group, fellow pastor's wives that you can communicate with, I would love for you to join our Facebook community group for the Waypoint Pastor's Wife podcast. We would love to have you there. I want this to be an environment where we can do that, where we can be there for each other because we are the ones who get what it's like. So join us over on Facebook. I would love to see you there. All right, the next thing that someone says is take care of your family while you serve. And I will I'll further that. Take care of yourself while you serve. And this is the obvious stuff, but make sure that your relationship with your husband is where it's supposed to be. You can't serve well when your marriage is in turmoil. You can't lead well when your family isn't led well. And you can't lead well when you're not leading yourself well in your relationship with Christ. And I know that you know this. I know this is like fundamental basics. But sometimes we just need to hear it again. <laughs> the next one, and I'm sure you've heard this before. I sure hope you have thick skin. Yes, friends. Sometimes it does take some thick skin because people are people. And sometimes they're just a little too people-y. And that's the truth of it. But here's the thing. They are all children of God. They are flawed human beings, just like you are. And we are called to give grace. We are called to love those people and to give grace and to show them Jesus in our action and in our reactions to them. So I would encourage you to, yes, have some thick skin, but let that thick skin be grace. Cover yourself in grace. Next to the last one, always be honest with your husband and have someone you can vent to. Always be honest with your husband. And this is going to go back to that marriage thing again. If, if your marriage is not in a good place, fix it. Do the work because it's worth it. Your entire life will improve when your marriage is in a good place. And if that means you need to take some time away from ministry to do that, maybe that's what God is calling you to do because your marriage and your family have to come first. But follow God's lead, pray over it, and make sure that you're prioritizing your marriage and your family. But if you're struggling and you need somebody to talk to, again, I'm here. Our Facebook community is here. Let's talk about it. Um, and then the last one, and I'm pretty sure that this is one that I wrote when I was uh, filling out the survey just as a test. But the last one says, suck it up. <laughs> and I mean that in all of the most loving ways, of course. But suck it up. I don't mean that coldly, but I do mean it in a sense of this too shall pass. I believe I said this in my interview with Jenna Krieger in our last episode, but life 
is short. You know, we at the most maybe have a hundred years. And if we have to suffer and be miserable for the sake of God for 100 whole years on this earth, it will absolutely be worth the wait for eternity where we spend every ounce of time beyond that 100 years in the presence of God. And we don't always think about the eternal ramifications of things. Uh, So I want to encourage you now and in this season, especially in spite of the busyness, in spite of the crazy, set your mind on things above, set your mind on heaven and eternal things. And remember that this is temporary and we are here and we are called to do this job for this temporary amount of time. And then the reward will come. And it is worth it, sisters. One of the other questions that I asked our pastor's wives in this survey was, how are you feeling about ministry in this post-COVID, during COVID, whatever this season is that we're in? It has been hard. And there have been a lot of people walk away from ministry. A lot of people walk away from marriages. And a lot of people choose to end their lives because of the stress and the strain that this season has caused. And so I was really curious, where are you? How are you feeling about ministry? Because I don't want us to be those people that have to walk away because we just can't see the good anymore. I want us to keep going on, to keep pressing on for the sake of God and the ministry and his church. That's kind of the whole goal of Waypoint beyond church planting is that we would extend the shelf life of the average minister, that we would keep him in ministry longer because ministers are in ministry for such a short amount of time on average anymore that the impact is so minimalized of what it could be. And so that's what we're here for. So I asked this question because I I really wanted to know, where are you? And I have two that said burnt out, but the rest of them were pretty good. One said, I'm hopeful. Another said, I'm tired, but hopeful. I am honored. I love it, but I feel the strain of never having enough time to do all the things that need doing. It can be a very lonely place at times, but I am grateful for my church and my elders. And having healthy eldership, healthy leadership in your church is so important. Another one says, tired and loving it. In a transition period, but good. Loving it and constantly learning. Hopeful surviving, soaking it in, and trying to be gracious. I love that. That's like my, that should be my theme for life. Hopeful, surviving, soaking it in, and trying to be gracious. Another says, I truly do love it. Seeing people going down in the baptistry and coming up cleansed of all sin truly will never get old. The times when I get to help someone or encourage or pray with someone, these times will always be highlights. At this moment, I would say we are surviving. We are coming from the other side of repairing a church split and lots of hurt. So life is starting to be a little sweeter. 
I love the optimism I'm hearing. I'm loving the sense of hope. And if you are not in that place of hope, I want to read a few scriptures for you today and hope that it encourages your soul to continue on, to press on as we run this race. We're not meant to be perfect. It's a constant battle to perfection and that's okay. But I'm going to be reading some excerpts from Philippians 4 in the message paraphrase. Paul says, my dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track, steady in God. And then he urges some people who are quarreling to work out their differences and make up. He says God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And he calls on someone else to help them in their in their efforts to repair their relationship. And he reminds them, these women worked hard for the message, hand in hand with me and with other veterans. They worked as hard as any of us. Remember, their names are also in the book of life. I sometimes need that reminder when I'm working with difficult people. I'm thinking you probably do too. Paul continues, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. 
You Philippians well know, and you can be sure I'll never forget it, that when I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with the message, not one church helped out in the give and take of this work except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. And now I have it all, and I keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, his generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. Yes. Give our regards to every follower of Jesus you meet. And friends here, say hello. All the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, want to be remembered to you. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. Let me say that last verse again. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourself. Is that not beautiful? Is that not beautiful? And sisters, that's my prayer for you as we enter into this holiday season, that you would experience the grace of Jesus, the beauty of Christmas, the miracle of this story that we get to be a part of for yourself and for your families. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for giving us these roles that you've given us. We know that when you give us a role and you give us a task, that you're going to help us to do it. God, I pray that you would teach us to rely on you through this season. That you would help us to see the beauty in the things around us and to put first what is most important, which is you and the families that you've gifted us. God, we love you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and this time in which we get to celebrate what he has done for us. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. I hope that you guys really do have a great holiday season, and I look forward to being back here again with you in two weeks for another episode. Before we wrap up, though, I did want to share another resource provided to us by Waypoint Church Partners. If you don't know much about Waypoint, outside of church planting, they have a great ministry providing resources and encouragement and support to churches and church staff and church leadership. And one of those is coming up on November 22nd at 8 p.m. And it's a webinar called New Realities and On-Site First Impressions. I know it's going to be a great time of practical, hands-on advice for us to use as we welcome new people into our church 
especially during this holiday season. If you would like more information about that, check it out at waypointchurchpartners.com events. We'll see you next time.